to Black Terms Podcast. Thanks for tapping in with us again, y'all. Uh, On Black Terms is brought to you by Tanamed, where we are living, learning, and leading alongside community. Tanamed is a consulting organization that exists as a healthy bridge between community and institutions. I'm Jason Rivers, senior uh, leader with Tanamed and also uh, the national director of our flagship initiative, On Your Story. I'm, coasting, I'm co-hosting today's session uh, episode with none other than our CEO uh, and co-founder of Tanamed, Dr. Brian Barnes, who happens also to be the husband of today's special guest. This episode, we'll be talking about parenting in our community. Our special guest, uh, Kishana Barnes, she's an educator, wife, mother with over 20 years over the past 20 years, she has studied and worked in the field of education and has witnessed and experienced firsthand the frustrations that exist amongst many of our families, uh, especially, you know, families of color. Um, and I also wanted to know, so so welcome, uh, Kishana, uh, to today's session uh, episode. Uh, also wanted to acknowledge that you are um, a PhD student. So, you know, you got to break that down for those that may not know what that means. Uh, but, but uh, you know, welcome to Black Terms. We're excited to have you today um, to get to know more about you and the great work that you're doing. So and where you're doing it at and, and, and all those things that can be impactful to our community. So welcome. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's good to be here. And I see that uh, we got some power to keep my husband on mute over there a little bit. So that's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can, I can come off mute now. Oh, okay. I, I thought they said you had to stay on mute today. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we know he's coming. We know he's coming. Um, so, you know, Keyshawn, could you just tell us a little bit about, you know, yourself, your passion, um, what brings you to this conversation today, uh, and how this can be beneficial to, you know, all of our listeners out there? Sure. Again, um, yeah, thanks for having me. I think that, um, yeah, I'll just kind of kind of give my, my background. Um, I am a career-long educator. So I, um, you know, I'm one of those like people that it feels like it's very rare. It's more and more rare these days. Someone who grew up, grew up wanting to be a teacher. Um, kind of that's what I always wanted to do. And so, um, you know, went to college and um, majored in special education and child development. And then went on to get my master's degree and taught for, you know, many years and then did some other work in public schools with mentoring and, um, you know, special education administration and written curriculum. And so just different things, different roles um, in the schools. And then, you know, once I became a parent, you know, then I added that role on as far as working with, um, with young people and parents in a different way. And, um, and so now I am, I actually teach um, future teachers. So I'm, I work at the University of Memphis and I teach in our teacher prep program there. So with young people who have um, decided to do this as well to go into this work. And um, I'm also a, a parent of, of three children. And so I'm very involved in their <laughs> education and in their lives. And, you know, I've served in the past as like, you know, their P our PTO president, things like that, just like really <laughs> getting, getting into things. And, um, and also work with other parents too. So um, other parents that might um, not have this type of, you know, the background and the understanding that I have as far as, you know, some of the policies and the language um, and just how schools work. And so 
I just kind of, you know, will help parents out, especially around issues with special education and just kind of how to navigate certain spaces. So um, that's that's it in a nutshell. There's a lot more to it, but that's that's a little summary of it. Man, man, whole lot going on there. Whole whole lot that we love too. Um, you know, today's conversation and the work that you do is so important to us. Uh, you know, as we think about you know the particular nuances for you know black families um, navigating educational systems and the specific challenges and barriers that we may see um, in protecting the brilliance and is innocence of our children. Um, so you know. Uh, hats off to you for all the work that you're doing. You know, I'm particularly interested in hearing a little bit more about this work that you talk about, you know, some of the parent groups that you've worked with, mm -hmm. I believe it's in Memphis. Um, can you talk us a little bit about, you know, exactly what you're doing? Uh, I think there was like two different portions of work that you've done, one around, you know, the pandemic, and then, you know, another form of work as well. So could you just talk a little bit about that? Because, you know, we really want this time and this conversation to be another resource to Black parents, you know, maybe future parents or people that are going through things now. Uh, and, you know, we just believe heavily in the assets of who our community is. And we know our greatest asset is our children and how do we protect who and what they are. So can you talk a, a little bit about that work? Sure. Um, so that's my role in, in the, the one role I forgot to mention earlier, my role as a, as a PhD student. And so I am pursuing, um, you know, a, a doctorate degree in educational psychology and educational research. And so part of this, um, part of my, um, you know, requirements is to, you know, conduct, is to conduct research, um, to learn how to conduct research and then to conduct research. And so um, I've been a part of different, you know, projects here and there. And so um, I have my own kind of little project kind of going on right now that I'm working through, and then I'm a part of a team. Um, and both projects um, are, it's called qualitative research. So it's really, um, you know, looking at um, the people, people's stories and trying to understand, you know, getting data from, um, you know, data is not numbers in this, you know, in this case, data is really kind of understanding people's experiences um, and how they interpret their experiences and their perceptions of things um, and just kind of hearing it from from them. And so, so yeah, so two different projects. So um, one is a research project where myself and um, um, another couple of other colleagues were interviewing um, mothers here in Memphis um, of all different um, different racial backgrounds. Um, is um, let me think. So we were looking at moms who worked outside of the home um and who and then who have children elementary age children and um to learn about their experiences like when the pandemic hit and um you know what happened <laughs> to them how did they experience life and everything um and so we're still in the in the midst of you know conducting this research we're going to do follow-up interviews to kind of see you know like like six months later like how are you know how are things going but you know just some of the like preliminary things that we're that we've kind of like seen this happening is that, and this is going to seem very much like, of course, uh, but is that, you know, it, it was a struggle, you know, it was a, it was a big struggle, um, you know, for, for these moms. And we're in this study, we're looking at some gender kind of issues there. Cause they're also, I should say they're heterosexual couples, heterosexual married couples. Um, and so kind of like looking at um, just the role that different parenting roles that kind of happen, you know, being at home, still trying to work full time 
and um, what it looked like to parent um, during that time. And so, um, you know, one of the things that, have, one of the trends that we've also seen is that the moms really felt it was helpful to talk about it. And so, and that really just kind of matches, you know, with this idea of, um, you know, not that I'm a therapist in any way, right? But like just this therapeutic act of talk, like like just getting it out, right? talking about what's happening and seeing that there's others experiencing something similar, um, you know, and, and what all does this, what all does this mean? Um, so that's that. Now, my other work that I'm doing by myself is interviewing African-American moms of, um, you know, uh, intellectually gifted children. Now we can certainly talk about this term intellectually gifted and what that means and whether it's a, you know, real thing or not and how, you know, how it's determined. But for, for my research purposes, it is, you know, people, children who have, um, you know, scored in a certain amount on, on this unofficial IQ test. So interviewing moms to kind of understand their, um, their children's schooling experiences. And what's interesting is that there's so many kids um, who, if they are, if they are considered gifted, they're also considered what we call like twice exceptional. And so it's, um, children who have other, um, exceptionalities or dislashabilities along with, you know, giftedness. Um, and, you know, one of the main things I'm learning from doing these interviews is just how misunderstood a lot of, um, black kids are. Um, and so, and this, and this just, again, tracks well with, you know, just, what I've seen like in schools, you know, all over. Um, so for example, um, you know, in schools, it's highly more likely that, you know, a black child might get referred to or might be thought to have an emotional um, behavior disorder, you know, or um, even, um, you know, being referred to like a type of intellectual disability, right? Mm-hmm. When in reality, some of these same behaviors may be attributed to some other type of like neurodivergent existence, you know, so it could be intellectual giftedness, it could be, you know, ADHD, it could be lots of other things, but they get kind of pigeonholed into this, this one, you know, label. Um, And with this particular label, unfortunately, comes a lot of other really negative things, you know, that happen. Um, So um, my research is trying to like, just uncovering that and like looking and see like how moms are are dealing with it. um, So that we can kind of work to um, help education situations to be better. So the idea is to say, we're going to the parents, right? We're going to the parent voice in this Mm -hmm. is often very absent from research. Um, The student voice is absent and the parent voice is often absent. In fact, if I go to do um, what's called like my literature review, if I go to kind of find, okay, what studies have been done involving, you know, black moms, I could scroll and scroll and scroll and the the studies that I'm going to see are all, um, if I if I put in like African-American mothers, right, African-American moms, it's going to be like these negative kind of things. Mm. It's going to be studies that have to do with, you know, the struggles of this or this is bad or these moms you know, are more likely to do these things. I can't find. <laughs> it's like really hard to find people who, you know, in this field who are conducting research from a perspective of, these people have knowledge that I need in order yeah. for me to, to be, to do my job better for me to yeah. understand, you know, what I'm doing better. Unfortunately, it's just not seen that way. So yeah. my work is kind of like twofold, right? Like I'm trying to get the information, but I'm also kind of trying to look at how I'm getting the information and everything. Man. So, so love the, the, the trend setting and the, the interruption that you're doing in the midst of, you know, some very important 
um, research and there's so much stuff to chew on, you know, that for, you know, the things that you were bringing up that, that definitely would love to see, you know, us elaborate on the conversation. Um, I was thinking about the subjectiveness of the application process, you know, even how, uh, or excuse me, not application, but the identification process, um, how, you know, students are selected for gifted programming um, and, you know, the ways that, you know, the challenges and barriers for Black children and Black parents in those spaces, you know. Um, So I was also thinking about, you know, um, oftentimes, and and of course, we, you know, want to hear from you, but in my experience as an educator as well, um, even in more predominantly black schools or school districts, um, these uh, gifted, gifted and talented programs tended to be a space where more white students were, uh, mm-hmm. where black children would be a minority in. And so, you know, just even in those public school settings where um, it was almost like a, a school that happens inside of a larger school. Uh, and then what challenges and pressures, you know, black children face inside of those spaces um, and, and what parents go through. So when you talk about research being tied to stories, I think that's so profound. When you talk about the support um, for black parents in both of your processes, uh, I think that's super dope as well. Um, so just curious and interested to, to hear, you know, what those things will yield um, and, and it's just such an important work, but, uh, you know, we can dive into that more. I know, I know, uh, I know my brother B has, has some good questions for you too. So I, I'm not going to hog the mark. Man. Let me go ahead and, and mute myself. <laughs> well, let me just say, first of all, I'm, I'm excited to be on this call for two, for two, you know, two reasons. One, uh, this is, uh, my, my spouse, my wife, and really, really proud to have this conversation, uh, with you, Kishana. So just follow, following up on the, on the, on the conversation. Conversation. Um, you know, we're really big on, as you know, owning our story, our communities owning our story and ensuring that, you know, our truths are told uh, in the way that um, that represent us. Uh, so back to the, to the conversation about parents, um, what do you find to be some of the misconceptions that are running rampant about who our parents are? Uh, and, and then alternately, what do you come to understand as being like the true, the truth and the assets of what our parents are bringing uh, within our communities with our children? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think that the stereotypes that exist about Black parents have been around for a very long time. And so it's, it's probably not surprising, you know, it's, you know, the stereotype of the absent father and, you um, you know, the, the mother who doesn't, is either not interested or doesn't have anything to offer or, um, you know, is, is, is you know, is, is toxic, is loud, <laughs> you know, is, um, is unhelpful. And I see it everywhere. I see it, um, you know, when I was a classroom teacher, you know, you, it's, it's there in conversations that you hear amongst other teachers or amongst the school administrators. It's there when I'm as a parent and I'm waiting in my, you know, in my um, kids' school's office, and I see how staff members interact with, you know, Black parents that are coming in there, you know, to see things. Um, It's with my pre-service teachers, you know, who sometimes are just so terrified, (laughs) you know, (laughs) who don't understand how to do things. And so, you know, that is the misconception because um, what I see are, you know, parents who are 
you know, who want who who are very involved in their children's lives, it might look different, you know, from um, from other other parents. But I see them being, you know, very involved, very interested. Um, certainly, there are parents that might be intimidated um, by by school sometimes, and and very. Um, and it makes sense because they've had such poor experiences when they were students with schools. And so, you know, they may be resistant. They may not believe that it's that it, it matters them trying to do, you know, because they've been traumatized themselves from schools. Um, or maybe they've been traumatized, you know, by adults interacting with them, you know, a certain way. Um, so, you know, same thing, right? If, 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 a, if a mom comes up to the school dressed a certain way, she won't be taken, you know, seriously, you know. I've, I've thought about that myself, you know, as, as a black woman, I'm like, oh, I better make sure I am dressed a certain way. Um, you know, I've told a story with Brian, like one time I had to take the kids to the doctor and I was dressed in some sweatpants or something. And I was like, oh, I better talk with a British accent or something if I'm going to be you know, taken seriously here. Um, because it's a real thing, you know, and you're trying to, and you're, and, and I think that black parents know this and we're trying to protect our kids from certain things. And, um, so it's like certain kind of energy, you know, maybe perceived a certain way, but it's the same thing with the kids too, right? Like it's this energy and a way of like talking and being real with things that's then kind of cut down and, um, you know, maybe it's seen as disrespectful or something. So, so certainly, I mean, um, I think that what you think it is, is, is still what it is, you know, as far as like parents, um, how they're getting treated and everything, you know, in, in schools. That, that reminds me, uh, you probably tell the story better, better than I can, but it reminds me of uh, uh, the Memphis news story when, when, like, when, when, when we as parents like really first got attuned to the potential threat of COVID-19 in uh, some of the schools and some of the news reports they were showing around parents that were coming to the school and, and I think literally like spraying their children with, uh, you know, with disinfectant and, and, and coming like fully covered in plastic and how it was almost made a mockery mm -hmm. uh, but then you know then, weeks later we understood that hey in one form or another that's actually what you need to do right you need to disinfect yeah. the environment and you know cover so uh, maybe i already did the spoiler but do you want to just add more commentary to just like how how that dynamic plays out of how when we do the right thing it still is seen as a mockery that's right that's it that's exactly right and so um and that was a story that went like viral, like nationally, because I had friends calling me from, you know, all over the country. And I was like, that's my kid's school, um, you know, where that was happening. But certainly, I mean, like, yeah, so now we're talking about like media portrayals, you know, and that's just like, you know, fresh meat for them, you know, to kind of come and kind of, they see an opportunity to do things. But when it was happening, Brian and I were saying, we were like, uh-uh, they're onto something because we don't know what this is, you know? Um, and there were, you know, several of us like who opted to keep our, our kids home. Um, and let me just back up and give a little bit of the story. So what happened was our kids' school at the time, it was the first school in our city that had a, um, a case of uh, where a staff member was um, exposed to COVID-19, right? And this was back at the beginning, right? So all these, no one knew anything. And, you know, the idea of someone being exposed to something, everyone was like, what does this mean? <laughs> um, and so like some some parents, you know, received phone calls and some opted to keep their kids home. We were we were, you know, I'm, we were parents that we're, you know, we have certain privileges and so we're able to do that. So we kept our kids, you know, home, you know, that day. Others maybe weren't for certain reasons or they didn't get the message. But this particular day, so the news came to the school because the school, you know, was had been, um, you know, had 
some kind of someone had an expo had been exposed. Um, and um, and so the, the news was there. They were trying to like interview like parents and everything. And you know the news that they kind of amp people up anyway, right? Like they're trying to get people going. They get entertained by black parents um, and Latino parents as well that were there. Um, trying to get them to, you know, say certain things and do certain things. And so, yeah, so like some parents were all covered up in garbage bags and another dad was like spraying, you know, around his son and everything. And those are the images that go viral, right? Those are the images that go viral. But again, instead of, um, you know, kind of taking a step back and saying this could be right, because no one knows. At that point, no one knew. So to assume that because these Black and Latino parents are doing this, that must be the wrong thing. Like that's a, a funny thing to do instead of saying, they may be onto something, you know. So this is an example of how of things happen all the time. When it comes back around, it was like they were right. <laughs> Man, that's that's a that's a deep uh, story, and you know, just thinking of the the hundreds of thousands of stories that happen over time, you know, that that land in a similar way. Um, I want to pivot back to that point around you, you. You spoke something strong early in relationship to you know. The peer review articles, like if you were to go looking specifically um, for, you know, elements tied to black parenting, black students, um, most of that, um, those topics of conversation will be based on negative experiences mm -hmm. that um, or, or deficit experiences, yeah. uh, uh, topics tied to black families. And, you know, the correlation, because again, a lot of our work is around marketing and the intentionality of, you know, what's marketed to our people and how it's marketed and protecting ourselves um, from those very intentional strategies to, to feed that poison to us. Uh, and it's deep that correlation between the relationship between even what's done in education uh, to corporate America, um, you know, oftentimes I've even like looked at the scenarios around, you know, education, um, certain elements of the education system and policing families and students and schools uh, versus like how, you know, we interact with law enforcement and community, um, you know, it's as deep with these parallels. So, you know, that that just struck me strongly that even as we talk about, you know, research um, and this education, like there's a very intentional interest oh, where folks are looking to, uh, you know, continue certain narratives about us and about our children um, and how that supports, you know, something larger at play for, for our communities and for our people. Um, so that's just profound that you brought that up. Um, so I wonder if you could touch on that and then I have a follow-up around some of your recommendations. So to our listeners out here, the audience, um, future family, like I said, parents, current parents and future parents, but just as you're thinking about the nuances and stresses of navigating education systems, what are some of the, the greatest things that you've come across in your time? And when you get to that point, I want to talk about something called telomeres and racial battle fatigue, because this re relationship to what the fatigue mm -hmm. of what we deal with in these settings uh, and then the way, you know, I think parent groups have supported each other. So, you know, if you could just go back and touch on a little bit of that kind of marketing, messaging um, around the deficit of us first. And then if we could pivot and come back to that other point around what you've seen as groups of parents have, you know, worked to support each other in this process. 
door. Yeah, so one thing that I've realized, I think in all these different roles I've played in, you know, in education um, is that everything really is, you know, connected and then beyond education, right? So like, you know, the, we talk about things being systemic. So like, you know, a system of education and then like, you know, healthcare and the economy and everything. So all of these things are very much intertwined and connected. Um, so, so much of research, you know, influences, of course, what's being taught to, um, to future educators. Um, and that influences what, what is being taught to kids, like what curriculum is there. It's, 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 it has to be, it has to be rooted, quote unquote, rooted in some type of um, research. You know, so much of the research that's being done, so much, not, not everything, but so much of the research that's being done, you know, it's not necessarily coming from this pure place of people who have this vast understanding, you know, of, of history and of, um, you know, how all these things kind of, kind of work together, you know, um, so often they are motivated, you know, by um, how much writing they can get out, how many publications they can, they can get, right, and there's so many ways to write things, um, you know, using certain numbers and certain statistics, it's easy to get out. Um, and so that really impacts a lot of what gets out and gets told. The kind of research that I'm interested in, the qualitative, it takes a lot longer, um, you know, to, to think through and to produce. And then to, and then there's, um, there's a game of actually who will publish, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of places they don't want to, um, publish this, this type of work, they only are interested in, in numbers. Um, so for example, you know, I'm, so educators, um, educator, educator researchers are a part of a, a huge organization, um, AERA, the American Education Research Association. And so um, I'm bringing it up today because a lot of people just got their notices whether or not their, their research is gonna be <laughs> um, presented um, at the next, um, conference, it's a huge thing in our, in our field and everything, right? And it influences a lot of these things that we're, that we're talking about, you know, and I was having to glance at Twitter quickly to see what people were talking about. I like to kind of say, you know, um, kind of say currently, what's people, what are people saying on, on the Twitter streets? What's, what's going on, you know, with the academics and stuff. And so of course people are sharing that there's got accepted, there's didn't. Um, but like, even in this, in this big space, it's, it's certain, it's only certain pockets of that space you know, that are kind of more open to certain kinds of research that's, that's happening, right? Even when, um, you know, they tried like, you know, of course, like since like last year, you know, buzzwords are like equity is like a, you know, a big thing. And that's often like the theme of certain things. But when you get down to the nitty gritty of how this works with like individual people having to approve, you know, certain um, research and stories that go out, it's really only happening still in certain pockets. So there's still some, lots of gatekeepers there that um, people don't believe it, you know, <laughs> they just don't believe it actually is true. Um, and so that's, that's a huge thing, right? And so and just like, I think how we saw like people are, they were saying this whole racial awakening and whatever, like people realizing for the first time that things are bad, um, you know, for certain groups. Um, and it happens in education as well. Like people all of a sudden like have their, they have these moments and they have their eyes open, right? But that's for that's years after so much harm has been done, and then even then, it's like, well, now you're a little baby. Now you have a lot of work that you need to do, and yet you still have this power <laughs> that you have 
and then you're making these decisions and that you're doing all these things. So it's all really, I mean, I could talk forever about it, but it's all, um, you know, it's all connected. It's all tied up in things. Um, and so, and it, it, but like, if you're not in this, if you're not in this um, field, you know, if you're not, if I weren't a former teacher, if I weren't in this field, I wouldn't know necessarily about how all of this works, you know? And if I were someone kind of just going in and really trying to like trust and I'm believing and my, my kid's teacher does this and, um, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know that these things are always happen necessarily. Now, what you do have is your gut still, right? And you have like, oh, this doesn't seem right or this is, this is happening. And then after years of kind of trying to do things, you, you might, you know, kind of come to some, some more kind of understandings and stuff. But but definitely like it's all it's all connected there and while there's definitely some really good stuff happening and there's some good people good people and they're doing some good work i think it's still like it's the it's the minimum you know mm -hmm. um, unfortunately yeah yeah and just the to your point you know a lot of good folks right mm -hmm. this 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 agenda tied to a very specific propaganda um that this narrative has to be pushed and it's it's powerful when you talk about you know what starts with research and you know and, and, and how that supports literally messaging that goes out far beyond the actual education field itself um but supports this larger narrative of you know what others believe about our community and sometimes seeps into what we end up believing about our own selves and you know so we're really sensitive to stuff like that um but appreciative for you doing the work um, and, and bringing it to light. Like you said, had you not been in the space that you're in, that might not be something that you're aware of, but because you're there, you know what that means for all of us when, you know, there's plenty of cases where you talked about gut and intuition where I knew something was true, but I maybe couldn't put my finger on it. I didn't have the, the factual evidence, but I knew all along that's what I was dealing with. Um, so just to close the loop, um, that's so important what we're talking about in regards to the power of imagery and marketing um, and stories and narrative. And if we couple that with, you know, some of the things that families can do and communities can do to organize and support one another, or just on my own, what I might as, as a parent, you know, want to do with my child, um, that element of the fatigue of dealing with these sorts of things so much um, and the exhaustion that goes along with it and the impact on my own personal health, as well as the health of my community. Uh, this work around the telomere that I had learned about where basically the telomere sits at the end of the, the DNA strand. And, you know, it was discovered that, you know, you can literally measure somebody's life outcome. Um, and one of the things, not only can they shrink, but, you know, in aging wise, but they can grow back. And one of the things that they saw grew telomeres back was, you know, the elimination of toxic stress and racial battle fatigue is a toxic, toxic stress that we deal with in our societies, our babies deal with it, adults deal with it on every level. So um, I learned that one of some of the original researchers, they discovered the their control group, a group of mothers as well. Um, but one of the things that these mothers really wanted, single mothers, was just some time to you know, have a support group with other mothers who had mm -hmm. similar situations and they laugh, cry, you know, talk about stories, support each other. But they noticed over time that those telomeres grew back. So I just was curious to know, based upon the work that you're doing in both of those spaces, like what are some good things that 
you know, you gathered from there that can be useful and have utility, you know, to our audience out here when it comes to navigating educational systems and parenting? Yeah, one, one, so I'm gonna say two things. So one thing I'll say quickly, this is back connected with, you know, educational research <laughs> um, with that, what you just said. So one of the, um, uh, one of the ways that I'm trying to structure, you know, how to kind of produce this new knowledge is exactly that. And so it's looking at um, the, the, the peace and the safety that comes with, you know, for example, like black moms getting together with other black moms. And so like that, that becomes like the space that I'm interested in talking to them and learning, you know, from them. Um, so instead of just doing like an isolated kind of like one-on-one, you know, I'm going to record this, you know, it's like, no, I want to, I want us to talk together and I want us to learn from each other because talking to each other, like exactly what you said, it kind of helps you to feel safer. And then it helps you to process what you are experiencing and what you're, you're learning. And so that's, that's one piece that I'm, that I'm working on as far as like um, how I gather information. It was, it was impossible to do during, <laughs> during the COVID restrictions, but I'm hoping that of course, you know, things will um, get back where we can, we can do that. Okay. Now in real life, um, kind of doing this work. Oh, for sure. And I think that's been the case, you know, since the first Africans were, you know, kidnapped and, and, and forced to, to come over here, right. It's like working together and leaning on each other and like trusting, trusting, um, the truth that, you know, um, and like keep keeping, you know, and having to say that over and over again and reminding, um, you know, yourself, you know, your, your, your girlfriends of that, your, um, you know, your kids, you know, your spouse, whatever, like, just like that has to be a part of what we kind of say to ourselves, you know? Um, and so I think that what y'all were talking about was like stories and like narratives and things, you know, so, um, you know, Brian and I have three kids and we certainly don't always get it right, but we work very hard to try to think about, I think like what, we um like what what is the story that they're going to experience in their life and everything you know what's going to be their story um and so thinking back like um okay well how do we set them up so that you know we don't want them to have all of this right all this like <laughs> racial trauma of course um how can we kind of set them up for some things um I think that in many ways, like this is this is the the struggle that a lot of Black parents are having. It's this like because there's no there's no currently there's no uh, perfect solution available for all of us to be able to have access to, right? I think that it's a big conversation that we could certainly have another time, but you know, today in this moment or whatever, like it's not a situation where all of our people have certain access to certain things that we might argue could be the quote unquote perfect solution, right? So black parents are trying to figure out how do we, um, what 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 can we sacrifice? Like what is gonna be, it's not perfect. So what can we like kind of um, live with? And then what are we gonna do to supplement whatever is being taken away from that kind of sacrifice? And so you kind of, and that's really what everyone is doing is pushing and pull, trying to figure out, you know, for their, um, for their kids. Um, but I think that one of the things that we really try to do is think about like like images that we have, you know, in their rooms, you know, even from when they were babies, you know, what's going to be on their walls, like um, what kind of books are we bringing in, what are we what are we reading to them, you know, what are we, you know, we're searching for like some black cartoons and we're like, oh my gosh, we found a black cartoon, look at this black cartoon and stuff and trying to do things, um, and then you know talking to them about things. Um, 
you know, answering their questions. But then I also think like, I love the terms and I don't know who coined it, but like the whole terms of, you know, black boy joy and the black girl magic and, you know, like letting them really be these kids and letting them be whatever kind of quirky or weirdness or whatever kind of fun stuff, you know, that they're doing, like recognizing like their humanity and all of this and everything doesn't have to just be about, you know, um, I don't know, this like black uh, history moment type thing or something like that. And that also is connected with the fatigue part too, Jason, because there's, I was just telling Brian the other day, I was like, you know, Kerrigan said this and I was like, I was so tired. I couldn't even get into it <laughs> to like try to correct her. I've got to circle back to that later, but I was just so tired. Um, but I think that like, when we think about just like real things that we can do, I mean, like when you have a new, you know, when you, when, yeah, when you're getting a new baby is just being careful about like, what's, what's, uh, what's surrounding them and everything. Um, and just, you know, making sure that, you know, like what they're watching so that you can talk to them about it, like push questions and, and then we even go as far as like trying to have, we do kind of have these times where like, we are making sure that they're re that we are reading certain things to them, that we're going to sit and watch certain things as a family to make sure they understand, um, you know, when they express, when they have questions about things, we want to stop and listen, you know, all the time. Um, so those are some quick things, you know, I think as a, like, as a parent, um, again, we don't always get it right, but we try, we try hard to you know, to do that. Um, but talking to other Black parents, you know, um, locally and like what you you all are doing, you know, like listening to, you know, podcasts and I mean, groups on social media can be helpful for a lot of moms, um, you know, to do to kind of like just kind of figure out, um, you know, to know you're not alone in things and then um, just to kind of get some some advice. Of course, our community, our elders are like, you know, always going to be like a big, you know, a big, um, a big, uh, uh, hold on, give me a, give me three seconds, Bakari. Um, <laughs> where do I think you of? got it. Thank you. I'm, uh, I can't think of the word. Um, but they're going to be, you know, uh, capital for us. They are our capital, right? Our right. ancestors and our, our elders, like that's so much of our capital that we have, you know, because they really are like so wise and they, they have been through it. And the older I get, I realize all the time, like, I get it now. I get it so much and everything. So <laughs> now that, that's that's so powerful. And I know B's coming on with, with a question for you. Um, just intention, two words that came, kept coming strong to me, intentional and unapologetic in the process, you know. And so, uh, you know, just shout out to all the black moms out there, you know, holding us down in community and all the ways that you're speaking to. But yeah, thank you. So, you know, for this first question, I'm going to I'm going to be a parent and I'm also going to be a, a third person uh, questioner. <laughs> um, you know, so you, you talked you talked about black boy joy a little earlier. Um, you know, our son Camden is uh, in the fifth grade and I see him exhibiting a lot of black boy joy. I see him exhibiting a lot of just love of life without uh, you know without necessarily the full weight of some of the stressors that come along with understanding clearly you know what's going on around you um, I remember that 
I think it was for me, I think around sixth grade when I, I think back and I remember like the first time I really began to start to, you know, feel some of those things in, 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 a, in, a, in a more intense way. And, you know, part of me, part of me wants to protect Camden from that. Um, you know, I want to see him just, you know, be able to come home and, and get on his, you know, uh, Roblox and, 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 and game and, and, and code and, and not be worried about certain things. Um, there's another part of me, you know, that just says, all right, you know, it's, 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 it's time to expose him to that. So it's attention, it's attention, you know what I mean? And, and we do expose him yeah. already, you know, it's the things you've talked about. We, we, we expose him a lot. Um, um, the experiential part, I think, is, 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 where, is, where I'm, is where I'm going also. What, um, so what, what, what are your thoughts and what have you seen around parents just being able to help navigate that tension within themselves uh, and also be able to navigate the transition when, when their children, their boys in particular, are getting um, more exposure and more experience and more, uh, you know, and more of those stressors, you know, really starting to start to uh, hit home for them. Yeah. The first thing that comes to mind is, you know, from other moms that I've, that I've spoken to who have like, you know, sons that are older is that people are fearful. Like parents are very scared of, um, of what might happen. Um, oh gosh, I think I'm getting teary eyed too, thinking about it, you know, um, of what could happen to our kids, um, when they're not with, you know, directly like, you know, with us and everything. And so, um, that's the first thing is that there's a real fear that, that exists, you know, of, of, of our kids like in school, our, our kids just out having fun, you know, exhibiting black boy joy. Um, and so we want to hold them tight, <laughs> we want to hold them close, right? Um, and, and I want to just be clear, I mean, this, this, this fear is rooted in real things that, you know, that, um, that our kids are at risk for. And especially when you think about, um, you know, um, black boys who might have, you know, certain um, dislash abilities and everything, you know, I've got a, you know, one of our close friends, I'm one of our godsons is, um, you know, he's African American boy, he's, he's autistic. And, um, you know, just thinking about the struggles that come because certain, you know, societal views about that and institutions that exist and these expectations around, um, you know, understanding language immediately and being able to comply immediately in the way that looks a certain way. Um, and so I think that, yeah, so like, so I think this fear is there for sure. Um, so that's the first thing I think of, I think is this a fear. And then once I get past that, knowing that, okay, yeah, but he is, you know, um, he he's growing up and he's gonna be his teenager, he's gonna be a young man and um, this is life and everything. So, um, I don't think I'm there yet, Brian. I don't know as far as like me as a mom. I, I think that you asking this question is really getting me to think about that. Like, I, I think that I'm still in the place where I just want to hold them, you know, to me. Um, but I think that like, it's a, it is a struggle that, that everyone, that everyone goes through. I have another friend, another girlfriend who's, you know, she was like, listen, my son just grew an inch and a half in six months. You know, he's just about my height now you know, and, and what that means. And, you know, when he's, he's 12, <laughs> um, and what that means. Um, and so I think in my like close circle of like, you know, moms, like we're, we're all kind of still like, you know, upper elementary, like little, like lower. So we're still kind of, 
well, we're about to get to this point, I think, where um, we the, these questions about, um, okay, they're getting older and they're going to be exposed to things because the other thing is their friends are getting older too. Right. And so, and especially, you know, and they're going to be wanting to watch and engage with more mature material and everything. So I think that part of it is, yeah, I think getting them prepared and like kind of maybe being on the predicting side of it and like trying to like get in front of it. But then also it's like just for being there to respond to them. And that's why it's so important that we build these relationships with them when they're younger. Right. So that they, come that they know that this is you come to us like you tell us things that we talk together and um you don't have to fear like asking us these kind of questions um i feel like i'm rambling so i'm gonna stop there because you've got me like thinking about <laughs> my own situation <laughs> man that's, that's so strong it's so strong b that you brought that up um and kishana that you're speaking to it so just yesterday my son you know he wanted to go he's 14 right and he wanted to go you know, Halloween trick-or-treating with his peer group. And it's wild because like before I could just say yes, which, you know, I wanted to say to him, we had to have this whole long conversation of what the threats that he might encounter from just being out in space. Like you talked about peer group or just who he might encounter, who might, you know, view him as older than he is, or, you know, just, just all those different things that I might not be able to be there to control over. And, I, and I've had these conversations with both of my sons so many times. And I wonder like, man, at what point is it just like, do I start sounding like Charlie Brown's teacher? Because, but I really wanna make sure that they're good because I know what they may face out there beyond just their peer group, but just in society. So that, that resonates, that's such a strong conversation when you say that B, when you bring that up, because like these are real things that we're talking about. And we also talking about the innocence and the dreams of our children and, and how long they're able to remain in that innocence and being cool with who they are. So that, that question hits me heavy too, bro. So I, I, and I can, I can relate to the struggle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I actually, as I was thinking, of, as I was asking that, I was, I, you know, I was thinking about some of our conversations, Jay, where, you know, you, you know, you're the, you're the elder, you're the elder to me in raising boys, you know what I mean? And so I know, I know those, those, those tensions that you deal with, with older boys and, and just trying to, you know, get prepared for those myself. Um, so, you know, Kishana, you know, another, another thing, and I kind of referenced on your story earlier, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to it again. You know, on our own your story initiative, you know, we, we really phase into three parts. You know, it's 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 about us being able to um, situate correctly the past um, in in our minds. Uh, it is to um, speak truth to the current reality and counter the the false narratives and projections. But the thing that gets us most excited is being able to paint the picture of the future, um, to own um, and take control and hold over what we're walking into. So as it relates to parenting, you know, as you, you know, as you, if you are, you're an artist, you know, with your, with your canvas to be able to paint, you know, what does parenting look like on our own terms in the future? Like, what, what, is, what, what where are we going? What are we aspiring to where, the parenting across our community looks like this in a way that we know is going to be healthy for us, for our children, for our community. What's that? What's that picture look like in your head? Yeah, 
good question. I mean, I think the I think the one word that stands out to me is the word community. I think like in that, um, in kind of really trying to, um, you know, dig deep deep within our within our um, ourselves, our ancestors, our history, and like in just this idea of um, you know of of the village and of community, and really like um, loving each other and trusting each other and like parenting in that in that way um because i think that um you know this this we it can't be done alone like we can't do it by ourselves we can't do it like within isolation as much as we try to like hold them and hide them and everything you know like um you know this is we're just intertwined now like everything is is um you know, we're, 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 with, we're with others. And so I think that, yeah, to be in community, I think with each other is just really important. Um, and I know like for us, you know, coming to the city where we are and without family here, that was really important, you know, for us was to, um, to find this community, you know, that, that we have here, you know, with so many other um, black families, you know, black parents and everything. Um, and it's just this understanding of, you know, like, um, you know, if I'm over here talking, I know another mom is over there <laughs> where my kid is and everything, and they've, they've got them and everything. Um, so I think, so I don't know, I mean, with specifics and stuff, I don't know, but I do think like this term, this word community really like stands out to me and it feels like that's needed. Um, and it, I feel like it works. Like if, you know, if we really do kind of like, um, yeah, allow ourselves to, you know, to believe that, right? And to trust each other and to know that, um, um, we need each other, you know, to, to do this work and everything. Uh, I was thinking about the, the spirit of, you know, like the, you know, bringing back some of the, not everything from the past do we need to do away with. Matter of fact, there's, there's multiple things that are really, were really good for us. Um, and thinking about that element of like community parenting, right. You know, where, you know, we had each other's back um, and, you know, within, you know, what is, you know, acceptable and responsible, we just taking care of each other's children and each other in a process. And so um, as you were painting that picture, that that element of like community parenting just was sitting real strong in my spirit. Um, and uh, that just resonates, you know, really, 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 really important um, for the future of where we'll be. So, you know, as we, you know, we can already close out the the today's episode, and it's been such a rich conversation. We don't, we might need a part two, B, because I'm not ready to close it out, man, with, uh, with you, Kishana. But um, is there anything else that you would say uh, is really important for our community to know and think about now? as we want to walk into that future self, um, you know, in, in your personal experiences, parenting, as you're working with these focus groups, as you're doing the research, as you're, you know, you're also uh, in higher learning, higher ed, you know, what is it that you think, you know, a parent right now walking into a school, this would be good for you to have with you as you go into those spaces? Um, yeah, what, what, what do you want our community to know? Yeah, um, if I just if I guess if I choose one thing, I think that the the school element is a major is a major um, a major part of this, you know. And so um, I think that I would encourage other educators, um, people who have this um, 
you know, kind of knowledge and understanding to, you know, be um, a resource, you know, for other parents, um, because, you know, we know what goes on in the schools, like we really do know what's happening. Um, and so, I mean, there's so much, I mean, there's so many, like, there's, there's a ton of like, there's a ton of good things. I never want to come across as I'm just like bashing individual people and everything, right? You know, in many ways, like, so, so many schools are truly doing the best they can. Mm -hmm. um, but unfortunately, the best is far from good enough. And it's actually, it can be very harmful, you know? Um, and so I think that that, that schooling, that schooling piece and that education piece is just, is just really, really going to be key, you know, for so many things. Um, and so, um, and as I'm saying that, it's interesting because I always say this, but then like, I don't have the answer to it. Like, I don't have, I don't, I don't have it where I'm like, so what you need to do is, you know, this, right? Like, because there really isn't, um, there's not anything, read, again, readily available that everyone has access to that can, um, where it's like an easy answer. So I think that if we just kind of keep, you know, coming together, using our resources together, and for some of us, it's going to be our knowledge and experience, I think, you know, with schools. And so for, you know, those parents who don't have that, I think, you know, reach out to people who kind of know like what's, you know, what the deal is. Um, don't equate a good school with um, good test scores. Like that doesn't mean it's a safe place for your child or it's the best place for your child. You know, don't use these um, reviews online as like the end all be all, you know, you, um, you know, go in and meet, you know, uh, requests of, you know, a visit, request to sit inside classrooms and to observe like what's happening, ask about teachers license information and experiences, you know, ask the questions that you want to know mm -hmm. and see what's out there. Um, because every, you know, every, um, you know, every like individual school is going to be a little bit, you know, a little bit different. Um, but the same things are happening in every city across, <laughs> across the country and everything. Um, so I would just say that, I mean, like, and I'm, I'm, and I don't have the answers for everything, but I'm definitely someone, if I can ever help, you know, someone who's trying to kind of like navigate, you know, these questions and everything, I'm always happy to, you know, try to, to do what I can do, um, on an individual level as well. Man, that's, that's, that was a mic dropper right there. You said don't equate good test scores with good schooling. Don't, don't equate that, you know, and make that assumption. And, and, uh, you know, that message of like, be actively involved, be in the face of the space, um, where our babies are at. Uh, it's been a pleasure and an honor to have you today. Um, I'm gonna say this part here and I got to give it over to my brother, uh, to your King, the King, we got the King and Queen on the call today. Um, but you know, I want to thank everybody for tuning in with us. Uh, please tap in with Tandemed Network at tandemed.com. Uh, follow us on IG and Twitter. Also, hashtag Black Terms and own your story. Uh, you know, and until next time, live, learn, and lead on our terms, on Black Terms, y'all. Uh, peace and light. But I got to give the final word over to my brother, uh, B. Take us out, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the last thing I'll say is, you know, I, you know, we better do this podcast and do this research, uh, you know, through through questioning and asking uh, Kishana questions. But I get a chance to to watch uh, in real life uh, an example of of strong parenting. So uh, Kishana, you're teaching every day what it means to be a a, a strong parent. Uh, and you're doing a, a wonderful job in my in my eyes. You're doing a wonderful job with our children and raising and raising them. And and I, I you know, 
I'm uh, just thrilled and honored to be on a journey with you. So let's uh, let's keep it going. And I'm sure there's more research and books and articles and presentations to come that, that are going to serve our community. So love you for that.